welcome to another episode of Farm to Table Podcast KE. On the final two episodes of this season, we will have a bit of a different format to our podcast. So on October 2023, I was a panelist on a webinar where we were discussing science communication in Africa. And we were a panel of six science communicators um, coming from across the African continent. So we had somebody from Egypt, two people from Nigeria, one person from Ghana, um, one panelist from South Africa, one Kenyan panelist and one Kenyan moderator. On the webinar, we were able to we were able to discuss how to bring in diverse perspectives in communicating science and that's taking into consideration um, backgrounds and cultures and geographical locations while also working to reach a wide audience. We were also able to discuss how to engage audience, collaborations and partnerships, as well as some of the challenges that go into science communication. At the same time, we were also able to talk about how to create a successful um, science communication platform what goes into deciding the medium that you will use to communicate as well as how to localize science um, because some scientific concepts are quite complicated and how to make it localized enough so that you can be able to communicate it even with the non-scientist audience. Through this webinar, I hope you'll be able to gain some information on what goes into science communication and especially to inspire those that would like to also join the field. So as I said, the episodes will be divided into two and here is part one. from Kenya. I'm a digital science communicator and I am a consultant um, for my science science.com.digital company. I'm also a um, science communication here at Ilri and I'll be your moderator. Uh, on the panel, we'll have uh, the guests to introduce themselves and I'll be sh- stop sharing this so that we can be able to see their faces before we start our discussion. So the first person we'll be having is Cyril Botek. Kindly introduce yourself, Cyril. Oh, so hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Cyril. Um, I'm a geophysicist by training. So um, I have a PhD in solid earth physics from the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Um, and then well, since I'm a scientist and I always love sharing my research because I think one of the most common questions I get is what is geophysics? And it was always um, annoying sometimes. So I said, okay, if that's the case, it's better I try talking about my work much more so that others will know about that. And then um, by, I think, is it fortunately or unfortunately in 2020, when COVID started, I was in China and then woke up one day and then everything was shut down. It was like they said, okay, stay home and don't go to the office. And usually I work with uh, high performance computers and you can't do anything at home if you don't have access to do. So 
And I said, okay, this dream that I've been working on for a long time, why don't I um, try sharing stories about African scientists because we don't have a lot of stories out there. And that's how Afro Science Network started. And, and it's been fun, it's been interesting. And um, it's the, the, the thing I like, love about this journey is that I've been able to meet so many wonderful people, including all these wonderful guests I'm sharing the stage with you. So thank you, that's, that's a short introduction. Thanks for sharing that. Let's have Ruth and Wealth. Ruth, Toti yeah, and Wealth. Right. Okay, I think I, I can go then. Um, my name is Wealth Okete. I'm from Nigeria. I am first, um, originally, okay, well, I think I, my, first my first degree is in biochemistry. So I'm a biochemist. I graduated from the University of Benin, Nigeria um, in 2018. And shortly after school, I came across science communication and um, I think the field was pretty alluring. I didn't know much about it, but I felt it was cool to be able to simplify research for public consumption because I knew I knew the adult, I knew the adults, the hurdles I went through trying to understand scientific articles even as a science student while I was in uni. So it felt really interesting. So I took up the task and started um, writing about science for a newspaper in my city, Benin City in Nigeria. And so I was worked at that newspaper for over a year. And um, during COVID, I really you know, felt really proud of being a science communicator because there were lots of misinformation flying here and there. And there were lots of things to talk about, about the pandemic that everyone was trying to understand and grapple with and about the myths and misinformation that was flying around. So I felt really proud as a science communicator um, when the pandemic came. So um, after the pandemic, I um, after the pandemic, um, like the year after, um, after the pandemic started and then 2020, 2021, I got the idea that I could uh, merge my interest in immunology research, uh, which developed while I was an undergraduate with my passion for science communication to build a platform where African scientists in the field of immunology can talk about their work because um, the field of immunology, its relevance, you know, its contribution was significantly amplified during the pandemic. And I knew um, several African scientists did a whole lot of work, but people, common people, and even some scientists do not even know about these people, about the amazing work they are doing. So that led me to um, start the Immunology in Africa podcast last year where we try to amplify the works of African scientists who are you know, making amazing contributions in the field of immunology. So the conversations are usually simplified enough for both specialist audiences. So someone who has a science background, someone who doesn't have so much of a science background to understand. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. It's quite interesting that you also started science communication in the pandemic like me. Let's have Ruth Totti. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. So I find that my story is quite similar to Wells. Uh, yes, we're both biochemists. Um, we sort of schooled in similar cities, just I think a few hours apart, right, Wells? Yes. But unlike his, I think my drive for science started when I was in university. And like I shared yesterday, um, I was just walking rainy day, kind of this cute little umbrella and feeling like cute little adult in quotes. And I met this young boy who was an albino, and he talked about how people would avoid him because of his skin color. I actually didn't know that people used to do that. 
until that moment. And then I found out painfully that some of my own friends, some of the people that I believed would know better were also doing that because they just didn't know about genetic disorders. So I decided I wanted to change that. And that's how I got into cycle. Now, unlike Sarah and Wealth, no, I didn't start in 2020. Um, my own journey started in 2022. I just literally woke up after doing Medium for a while and I said, okay, I think I, I want to do like a newsletter. And that was it. So now what I do is to ensure that I put resources together for scientists, science communicators and students. Uh, resources that you'll need when it comes to reading articles, listening to podcasts, or just opportunities that I feel are available for them. So I put it all together and then try to send it out to as many people as I can. So that's my own part of the cycle. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. We also have Ruth Lichi, but now from Kenya. I'll be referring to as one boy. Um, so... Hi, um, I'm very happy to be among the panelists here. And yeah, I'm really happy that my work has made me, you know, come into contact with these other guys who have also built incredible platforms. So my story is um, somewhat similar, but different to everyone. Um, so my, my platform is called Farm to Table Podcast KE. It's a podcast where we speak about um, agriculture. So basically the, the intersection of innovation and sustainability when it comes to food systems and agriculture. And my story of beginning, I had um, Cyril speak about the Chinese Academy of Sciences. I also went there for my master's. <laughs> and yeah, and it seems we were actually there at the same time because I also was there during the pandemic while the pandemic started, but that's when I came back home. <laughs> so um, so after the pandemic, um, I started the platform because around that time, my parents retired from their jobs and they went into farming. I don't know whether that's a common phenomenon among the rest of the people, but when people retire, some of them go into farming. And so my parents went into farming and when they did that, they had a lot of questions about you know farming just agronomy and since i have a background in agronomy as with my bachelor's in horticulture they had a lot of questions and for me what i realized is that i had a lot of information and it wasn't really helping anyone because at that time i was still navigating you know completing my master's and you know getting a job and all that so that's when i decided to actually start something i didn't know at the time what it was but i realized that i needed to start sharing information that i already had and then fast forward to 2021 um that's when i i decided actually to go the podcast way because i started listening to some podcasts and i realized i can do that because i didn't really want to be on camera <laughs> so when it comes to youtube i felt a bit i don't know i'm not that brave so yeah, podcasting was my medium of choice and I started it in April of 2021. And initially, as I said, I wanted to just share information on agronomy, how to farm, how to, what inputs to put, um, how to select your seeds, all that stuff. But then I realized along the way that there was a lot of innovation going on 
beyond just you know sharing use this fertilizer or irrigate two times a day whatever and so at that time i said interacting with innovators and that really has driven the my podcast now which is it's really grown to be it's it has a life of its own to be honest which yeah it it all came from just being open minded and trying to look at what innovations were ongoing in the field and yeah so that's my story of origin glad to see a fellow podcaster there i can see sad is here not lotfi and need to this as well Thank you Sarah. Hello everyone. Apologies for joining late. I had some tech issues. Uh it's a pleasure to be here uh, uh with you today. So uh my background is dentistry. I'm a former dentist, but I during my study I find out that I don't like blood. So uh I searched for uh other things that give me uh you know passionate Uh, uh so i decided to write about science on social media and back then i think it was 2012 it was the beginning of social media in egypt facebook was trending uh, so uh, i started writing about science i found i found this very interesting for me so people became to follow me interact with that with the content uh, i write until i found some opportunities uh to work as freelance science journalist uh with some publications like scientific american side of net uh then after graduation uh from dentistry i decided to uh shift my career into science uh, science journalism and science communication and this was i think 2015 uh back then i worked with with some of my colleagues uh in creating uh, egyptian science week and this was the first uh in the, the first national level event uh, to communicate science to uh, public audiences in Egypt uh, we ran it three years uh, three editions and by the last edition we reached 70,000 attendees for uh, uh for our events it was like a decentralized uh, activity where we have many partners from academia research center uh personal initiatives and we all collaborated in communicating science uh, and technology to public audiences and in 2019 i got the opportunity to come to uae to work as editor in chief of the arabic version of popular science uh and i worked there until the start of the pandemic and by this time i found uh, a challenge important challenge in, in the arab region we have many universities research centers who are creating many good research but no one knows about this research it's not communicated in the right way and there is a huge gap between the academia or scientists from from a side and the public audiences from other side so i i decided to quit my job uh, at popular science and start psychomex Uh, to be a science communication and research communication consultancy uh, that serve uh, and empower uh, academic and uh, research institutions and help them in creating science communication strategies to be able to connect more with uh, with public audiences and we have been here for for three years uh, we worked min- with with many organizations like MIT New York University Abu Dhabi 
uh, we worked with Neum in Saudi Arabia, uh, and we have our own activities like Science Journalism Forum. This is a global event, virtual for science journalists. We organize it for three years. Uh, this year is our fourth edition. It will be from 23 to 26 October. Uh, and it's in, in five languages, English, Spanish, Portuguese, Arabic, and French. Each language has its own content, its own speakers. And we have around 1,500 attendees. We also have the Arab Forum of Science, Media, and Communication, which is uh, uh, an annual gathering for uh, for the community of science communicators in, in the Arab region. We have a digital magazine called Scientific Arab, uh, and we use it to communicate science to Generation Z in Arabic. And we organized Arab Science Week as well. So that's a brief about uh, what I'm doing, and uh, uh, we can discuss this, uh, this further. Thank you. Great to see a dentist here um, and someone. <laughs> getting into circum consultants like me okay um we also have Anne. she says the last person to introduce themselves then she will also be our first person to answer the question as i mentioned before i hope you stay at until the end because i will let these people incredible people from diverse backgrounds and diverse parts of science and diverse passions as you've heard the stories to tell us more about the tools that they use and if the content creators what kind of tools that they use that help them doing science communication so as we wait for that let's have Anchisa last but not least uh thank you Sarah and good evening to everyone uh, who's attending um it's such a pleasure to be here I'm honestly so excited to just be amongst the diversity that we have here and I'm beaming at what everybody's doing and it's exciting that this is currently what's happening in Africa. Um, a bit about myself, um, I'm Anchisa, like you mentioned, originally from Malawi, but I'm based in South Africa. Um, I'm a scientist. Um, it took me a while to actually get to that part, but I suppose I'll get to it when I answer <laughs> when I answer my question. I'm a scientist and also a science communicator. I have um, a podcast, The Root of the Science Podcast. Um, my story is similar to most of the people here. Um, I was doing my masters in 2020. Uh, well, I had completed my masters in 2020 um just during the pandemic and i didn't know what to do with myself and honestly my master's was just really hard but we'll get into that as well um and i didn't know what next and i was i i do i'm an agriculture scientist let me be uh, more specific i do crop science so i was working a lot with small-scale farmers and i saw that at the point my supervisor was pushing me to publish and um i was i was like okay so what like what happens when we publish into these journals but the people who i've been working with on the ground they're not really going to go and open um uh, a journal in agriculture and i also realized in amongst my own colleagues although we are all in agriculture we are doing very specific things and i was working specifically with legumes still am for my phd but i'm not going to go and read about i don't know biochemistry or the whatever it's still very um it's very 
it's it's very uh, niche. Uh, so I thought there needs to be a way that all this work that we are doing as scientists needs to be communicated um, other than just the conference and just um, and in journals and to get to the people on the ground because I firmly believe as scientists we all do science for two main reasons. Um, one is for curiosity. We have we the hypothesis side of it to to understand something. Um, another one is to solve a problem, whether it's societal or whether it's environmental. Um, and I feel like there needs to be a way. I felt like there needs to be a way um, for those answers to come back to the people on the ground. So. Um, the aim of my podcast is to amplify Africans and STEM uh, across the globe. I started it during in 2020 during um, COVID. Um, I didn't know I was doing science communication, to be honest with you, until later on. Um, when I, I was just chatting to people, it was during the, the pandemic, everybody was sort of on the computers and no one was doing anything um, and i'll just dm people and be like hey i'd like to chat to you about what you're doing it sounds really exciting and um, that's how we started we did it via skype so that was obviously before zoom was even um, a thing and then from then on we went i would have a referral from a guest to another guest and um, it's been about three and a couple three years and a couple months and um yeah this apart from the from how i've grown as a person and doing what i'm doing but the impact has been honestly life-changing and i feel like what we're doing is so important and it's really amazing that we get to do it in very uh, different ways so yeah that's something brief about me all right as you have introduced yourself with your very diverse uh, background in terms of where you come from and where you're currently situated could you tell us how that uh your unique background and where you come from in terms of culture and and where you communicate your science how does it influence the kind of science communication that you do oh um so i think at the core most of us are storytellers um in the way that we do our science right um we are storytellers and mine Mine is my, the reason why I started my my podcast is also because of the story. I mentioned that um, my masters was really difficult for me. Um, I I to be honest, I didn't even want to be a scientist. That's why I said to you, I it took me a while to understand to fully say that I'm a scientist. I wanted to be a radio DJ. I wanted to be a lawyer, but my parents were like, nope. Okay, well maybe the law thing. But my parents were like, no, you know, African parents, if you do well in maths and physics and all of those things, you go straight into science. So that's how I got here. And even with that, I had this vision of whenever I thought of a scientist, I thought of a, the stereotypical image of this white old man in a lab coat, think Einstein. So for me, I never had, I, I could never see people who looked like me. So that's why it took me a very long time to actually say that I'm a scientist because when I thought of a scientist, I, I had a different image. So the way that I communicate my science, one of the major themes that I do with my podcast and the way that I communicate is to um, showcase visible role models for a younger version of me. 
Um, and in, even in some of the stories with the people who have had the opportunity to chat to. So we've been doing, there's about 120 something plus episodes. So one of the key things that always come out is that we didn't have that representation. And even if, if it was there or rather the visible role models, um, we, uh, that was one of the key things. So in my science communication, I, I interview people, Africans, um, who are all over the globe are doing really amazing things so to showcase very uh, the diversity as well of the science field uh, because i think whenever you think of science you think of a doctor or an engineer but science is so broad there's so many amazing things so that is also another reason that was also another motivation for me to do what i do and the way that i, co I communicate science um, you have like Cyril said, he's a geophysicist. I still don't know what that is, uh, so I'm sure he'll explain. <laughs> um, but it's but that's the scientist, or in, I mean, immunologist. Well, I don't know how to say that word, immunologist. Um, people who are doing all of these really amazing things, and that's science. So when I do my science communication, it's to showcase visual role models. Uh, it's to educate as well, because we as Africans are doing so many amazing things. Um, however, we, I don't think the there's a lot of platforms that showcase um, the amazing work that we're doing. We saw during COVID, some of the leads um, in terms of the COVID vaccine were coming from Africa, you know, and that, that shows that Africans are we, we, we have so much potential here, but in terms of even the global research output of, um, of African scientists, it's, I think at that point when I was doing it, I could I stand to be corrected as less than 1%. So that is the reason that I do what I do. And I'm sure this is also something that even some of the panelists here. So um, to emphasize and to probably conclude, I educate, showcase diversity, and also amplify visible role models. And that is um, that is the main reason of why I science communicate. And because of where I'm from, um, that's, that's sort of contributed to how I communicate my science. As we go to the positive sides of science communication, which is hopefully everybody here understands that it's communicating science in the most clear way to a non-science audience and that can be done in social media podcasts and such we'll start with the negative um part of it challenges well could you take us through that what are the kind of challenges that you faced in your career in science communication yeah um, thank you very much for that question sarah um, I, I think the challenges are quite numerous. Um, for me, when I started, when I first learned about science communication, shortly after school, I, I didn't know of any science communicator. There was practically no one I knew that was in science communication. I didn't know of associations that I could kind of belong to be a part of um, in science communication. So it was pretty difficult for me because um, I had to know, I was just Googling, you know, trying to even understand what science communication was really about. You know, I was Googling, you know, trying to read several articles about SciComm, even trying to look up a couple of programs that um, were SciComm related, uh, related that I could enroll for. So that's one challenge I faced. It wasn't like until the pandemic that I um, came across one 
one workshop or there also that was trying to teach um science communicators science writers how to report on the pandemic how to tackle misinformation that was like the first course i took um related to science communication so I, I think one major challenge for me that i experienced when i started was that absence of um kind of goal models of examples i could look up to and a community so um yeah also i also okay i also came across someone in nigeria in nigeria and i was also into science communication but it took me probably several minutes or hours of google search because I was just trying to look for science communicators in Nigeria on Google, no, trying different word variations to just find someone that I could maybe send an email or chat up and say, okay, this is, I'm well, I'm trying to explore science communication. I need, I needed guidance. So it was pretty difficult for me. So um, aside from that, I think um, another challenge that I have experienced with science communication is um, financing yeah because i've now have a platform initially i was kind of working um writing for a newspaper agency and then i also delve into social media at some time that doesn't really take so much from you just to make a normal post or just come up with an article i was getting stipends from the newspaper at the time uh, but now that i have a podcast i have my own platform it's <laughs> the reality of funds has become really evident that okay you need you need money to finance this stuff you need you need support to keep stuff going, keep things going. I think like um, Sigil mentioned when he was doing his introduction, um, currently the podcast is largely self-financed, maybe support from friends, family, but you know, there's that challenge with finances. And I think in Africa, in our setting, we don't have so, many, so much opportunities for funding for science communicators. I think um, Anne shared um, um, a grant opportunity with me a couple of weeks ago. And you no, know, the the, the funders were not Africans or they were not targeting, say, African science communicators. And we know, of course, you no. Know, some of all these opportunities can be global, but we know this is African. And then sometimes our challenges are different. You no, know, we have our own context. Science communication is still kind of evolving in the continent. So um, our challenges are different. Our science challenges are, 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 are unique. So th that absence of opportunities has also um been um a problem for me so i i think the last thing i will talk about um regards being a podcaster is um a common challenge in the african setting which is technical issues so you know sometimes you have issues with having to you are having having to record with your guests for instance and then you have to make sure they power supply and you know things get high every day in nigeria i don't know if you guys are aware but nigeria we've been crying and complaining about how the naira keeps falling you know the value of the naira keeps dropping by the day and then you know and then things are quite expensive and then sometimes you have to ensure you get fuel you just have you need to have backup plans because of power challenges you no know, data subscription you no know, there are um several challenges and and i think um those are the challenges that i've kind of experienced and i think um coming across of course these are amazing individuals that i've been able to connect with connect with recently and then trying to explore other opportunities um maybe online courses has also helped me to stretch my psychom capacity and you know connect with people learn from them see the challenges they are going through because when someone is sharing their challenges and then you find some similarity able to relate with it it kind of gives you this you know give make you feel at peace that okay i'm not the only one going through this no someone is also going through it and then you can even ask the person how are they coping you know what um uh, maybe some strategies you can learn from them on how to 
um kind of navigate these challenges and i i think um yeah so those are the challenges i've experienced and how i've managed to um tackle some of them Sorry, I'm glad you share that uh, the tackling part of it because that's important, and I'm glad that this audience is also um, going to solve some of those challenges. And also, I'm glad that and you know someone like Anne could share you know some of the grants that are there as much as they didn't might <laughs> have at that point. But I'm hoping that this community will create a space for us to go through those challenges together. Um, seeing Siki. Saki was also a science communicator and reminding me that science commission is also talking to other scientists, communicating science to other scientists who are not in your field. Um, Ruth Totti, could you tell us um, what um, what kind of strategy you use to engage with different these different um, audiences? Because as you mentioned, the 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 people you're communicating to are very different. So how do you how do you do that? How do you make sure that you capture their interest and attention of the, your target audience? And also have said after Ruth to talk about that. Let's have about one minute, one minute for each. All right. Thank you. So very quickly, um, just to give you a bit of context, my newsletter, uh, I think just the demographic of um, the subscribers that I have, I have students, I have editors of science, uh, publications in a way. I have grad students, I have people that are professionals and are working in science fields. So it's a mixed crowd. So what I do is I try to first understand that people don't really have time. So because of that, give out the information you, have, you want to give out in as little time as possible. So I'm thinking if they read through my newsletter, how do I tell them to read an article that I found helpful? And how do I write it in a way that will capture their attention? So the first is to understand that you have to be very concise when you're relating people that when, when it's a mixed audience, because you have to understand that the when I share maybe an article on the list of recommended reads, if I share an article on, um, say, for example, how to grow in your career as a mid-career scientist, for example, a student wouldn't really care to read that. So they'll scroll past it. But they might stop if I write about it in a very nice way. But they might not stop. They might just rush to see the grants and the scholarship opportunities. That's also fine. So just keep it concise. I think that's the first. I think the second is to always give the best value. Um, so I'll use an example of a time I had. So I do series of interviews, usually on my newsletter. And the first I did, I actually featured different professionals in very different fields. And I found that different stories resonated with different people in my target audience. I had a subscriber reach out to me and she commented that she enjoyed a particular interview with another professional. I think what the person was doing was sort of more related to her field. But I'm pretty sure she would have read for others as well. So I think um, just understand that you have to give the best value. You, what you're giving out, it's more like you're cooking. Not everybody wants a lot of spices in their food, but, um, just ensure that everyone can eat something. That's the idea. So I think when it comes to engaging, that's it. And then I think the third is always listen to your target audience. So what I do is sometimes I just put a prompt at the end of my newsletter asking them if there's something they want me to add. Sometimes I know some of them personally. So I reach out to them and, and I'm like, 
you think I should add something else to this? Do you think I should do something else? And then I just hear their feedback and then I know what to implement. All of this allows you to be able to, um, I don't want to say morph, but just move with the demands while still staying true to yourself. So I think those are like three ways that I try to make sure that I stay engaged with my audience. Uh, thank you, Ross, for, for this. So for me, uh, you need how to tackle the challenges or how to engage audiences? Which part would you like? Yeah. Oh, you have challenges. I would love that. Uh, if you have any challenges, you could start with that. Yeah. Then we will go to audience. <laughs> yeah, everyone have challenges. Uh, but I, I agree with, with what was said. Uh, I think there is uh, we are missing uh, local and regional communities in Africa of, of science communicators. This is something uh, I face in, in Egypt while I was in Egypt. There is no community. There is no official community for, for science journalists uh, and for science communicators as well. Uh, and I can imagine it's the it's same for, for, for the whole region. Uh, but for me, one of the things that I do to overcome the challenges uh, related mainly to the engagement part, because many science communication initiatives uh, had has great value, has great content, but unfortunately, they don't have much views, uh, and this is something uh, I see a lot, uh, even with 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 my personal work. So one of the things that uh, or, or framework is that I follow to uh, make sure that the content reach to the right people and engage more uh, number of audiences is to always start with a strategy. Uh, this is the most important part for for me working on on a strategy whether I am working on a podcast, a newsletter, uh, article series, whatever the, whatever the format, always start with a, with a strategy. Because when you work on a strategy, everything become, a clear, become clear. You know your objectives, who are your audiences, uh, how to engage them, what, what are their habits, and so on. So this makes things easier uh, after launches. Because for us as, as sense communicators, and I think for, for, for most of the panelists as well, we start our own initiatives because we love the idea of it. So I am, for example, I'm interested in covering health issues. So I start a newsletter about health issues that give uh, new updates. Most most probably this happens with, with, with most of us. However, if we look at this from a perspective of uh, solving a challenge, uh, for 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 the target audiences, this becomes a better in targeting them with with the best uh, content content that has value, content that is relevant to the audiences, not relevant to the communicator. Uh, so to to summarize, I always start with a strategy to, to tackle this this engagement. I start with the strategies, this strategy including. Uh, what are my objectives uh, for the product? Who are my target audiences in details, demographics, their age groups, their habits? Uh, because as someone, uh, as uh, I think Saki wrote in, in the chat, it's true that science communication is, is not for public audiences. It's, it's for uh, different stakeholders. Uh, for us, we worked with, with many clients that are using science communication to target funders for their research. So we can use it to target funding, for example. So knowing, knowing target audience will make it helpful for us to understand what, what type of content, what is the format, uh, 
what is the medium that we can use, what is the tone, uh, and so on. So th- this is briefly uh, how I uh, how I tackle the engagement and the marketing part. Uh, and from my experience, this this was very helpful for for us at Psychomax. Great for sharing those insights. I'm saying Tsiki is also sharing a group, Science Communication Group Africa, started by Marina Jobat uh, from Stellenbosch. Um, so, Mumboy, Toti, and Sad again, I would like you to also share some insights about uh, collaborations and partnerships. So, they can be powerful, especially collaborations in expanding the reach of science communication. Um, but could you give us a uh, examples of successful collaborations partnerships you've been part of or that you have been benefited from um i can go fast um yeah. so i think the main thing that i've learned since i started doing my podcast has been the importance of collaboration and especially for me as a scientist um you know when you're in the lab and you're doing just your research you tend to just do it on your own <laughs> so you're at your desk you're, you're really focused on whatever your thesis or your publication but once you leave that you really learn that collaboration is important and not just from from yourself but also from the people that you interact with so for example for me with my with my guests that i have on my show I think in every episode, all the guests always reiterate collaborations because yes, they're doing innovative things, but how will they get the word out? So for us, science communicators, we now come in as the people who spread the word about the innovations that they're doing. But um, more specifically, when we're talking about collaborations for yourself, it's very important that you collaborate with, for example, this group of panelists that we have here. I think I've had a lot of collaborations with Ruth, for example, with Sarah also for her podcast. So even when you collaborate with other people in your field, you, what is it called? You cross, cross-pollinate your audience. So you're able to, their, their audience is able to now know about your show and your audience is able to know about, you know, their panel, their platform. So collaboration is important for that reason. And I can just give a few more examples for me through my guests, I've been able to, for example, have my podcast be a part of a museum. So a certain museum has a, a platform where they share they share podcasts and other materials, media materials about food and agriculture. So just by speaking to different people, you're able to, you know, expand your audience, have a, a place where people who would never have known about your podcast and especially as we're saying as african science com we don't really have a lot of areas where we can really showcase our information so if you're able to cross pollinate your audience you can get a platform where you have you're able to target an audience that would naturally not be your audience so for example that and then also i've been able to collaborate with also entrepreneurs which is very important because as wealth said you need money <laughs> so collaboration is also very important because if you're going to get money then you need to reach out to the people who you know the entrepreneurs that's where the money is so that's what i would say when it comes to collaboration and i would also say just reach out 
without a certain you know without expectations okay maybe you should have expectations but reach out widely you never know where your proposal will land you never know where your email will land so yeah collaboration needs to be a sad said a strategy it's, it's a strategy to take for for you as you're starting your platform plan to collaborate with other people yeah Ruth, uh, all right thank you so i think i'm just going to continue from where Ruth stopped uh so please don't be confused there are two roots here there's root m and there's root body <laughs> so like she said about the collaboration yes i mean you be able to work with a lot of people and you can cross pollinate amongst your audience i think the the other thing that is quite rewarding is that when it comes to collaborations and partnerships, not just with um, other science communicators, but with scientists or people that are in science fields, it's, it's very rewarding to see that a lot of Africans now, they do amazing work, but they don't know they are doing amazing work because nobody's talking about it. And so to them, it's just their lives. They're just living their lives. And some of them just go through that and they never really see the impact of their work. And they also most of the time work in isolation. So the beauty of spotlighting them or collaborating with them to bring something out is that it just shares their story with the world. And the rewarding part is that you find so many other people like them, interestingly, and they also find so many people like you. So I think, um, like she said, he has cross-pollinates. I think another thing is just the power of spotlighting people's stories. The more you do it, the more people are able to find communities um, for themselves. So personally, for me, I think two partnerships that have been or collaborations that have been really good. Um, the first actually is how I met Cyril. So Cyril has the AfroScience blog. And at that time, I was looking for a place to write. So I remember reaching out to him and just speaking to him about it. And he agreed. And I wrote. I think I, I covered the uh, biogenome project that they're doing right now. And I just wrote about it. And interestingly, months later, I remember still reaching out to me and saying, oh, Ruth, they put on your web on their website, you know, they listed the number of like press releases and stuff they got. And they also listed AfroScience, which was at school that I wrote. So it was quite amazing and rewarding to see that, I mean, both of our efforts was able to give both of us because yes both of us that i don't know media that we didn't expect that we get and also on the other end also was able to spread the word about what biogenome was about and the project and things like that i think the second is actually this um for me so i remember speaking to world earlier this year and i talked about we, we both talked about psychom and how we were sort of i would say lonely well, we couldn't really find a lot of people like us. I knew Ruth because I searched on LinkedIn. So I worked hard to get Ruth. And I knew Cyril already, but I didn't know Anne. I didn't know Sarah. I didn't know other people. So something I had to do was just look for how to reach out to people. The hardest to get, and I'm saying this sad because I'm quite happy you're here, was a science communicator from North Africa. I remember asking Cyril, I asked, well, we just couldn't get anybody and the person i got um she didn't reach back reach out to me back so i was quite i don't know i just didn't know what to do and i didn't also have friends or maybe an any community there 
interestingly, um, we were able to get when we spoke to the editor for the Open Notebook, Serial Carpenter, and she just mentioned that, and I was like, oh, wow. I find it quite interesting that we are in the same continent, and it took somebody from outside the continent to refer someone to us. But the power of collaboration was, I just invited them to have like an interview on my newsletter, and Anne was like, we could do more than this. And this is what came out of it. So I'd like to say that it just helps you to connect other people to the communities that they need. It's something that is deeply rewarding for me. Thank you. Lovely. Sad. Thank you, Ross, for this. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with you. It's it's very strange to have someone outside the continent to, to connect us. Uh, uh, I have worked with, uh, so for, for Science Journalism Forum, we have worked with, with some science journalism associations in Sub-Saharan Africa and in uh, Francophone Africa as well, uh, in, in Kenya, in Cameroon as well. Uh, and I think the Sub-Saharan and Francophone Africa are very 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 active in terms of science journalism i, I don't know actually this the status of science communication it's uh that's why it, it was super interesting for me to, to join this panel to to know more about the incredible work you, you are doing but one of the things that i know about africa they are very active we are very active in, in science journalism uh, and I think the same for science communication. As far as I know, South Africa is doing a great job in science communication in terms of uh, 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 competitions, exhibitions, uh, and so on. Uh, but for us in North Africa, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the issue is that we don't have a community. Uh, we have individuals, many individuals like me who are working in science journalism or science communication, but each one is doing a personal initiative. There is no kind of uh, connections. We know each other, but we barely share insights or share experiences because there is no platform or there is no place to, uh, to, to connect. And I think this is part of the issue from our side from North African side uh, is that we assume there is, we assume that the situation in all Africa is the same as in North Africa, which is, is not true. Uh, and this is something I learned at Science Journalism Forum when we started it three years ago. 90% of our attendees are coming from Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And this is, this is an indicator that there are many, many, many people who are interested in science journalism and science communication in, in, in Africa. That's why this panel is, is, is very interesting. And I think it, it could be developed to uh, a partnership, as you all discussed uh, about the importance of, of partnership. And I think uh, it, it would be great if we can collectively do something uh, where we can build on, uh, on this panel. That was part one of the webinar and I hope you were able to gain some useful insights that will help you in your, in your science communication journey. Tune in next week to listen to part two of the webinar. 
Farm to Table Podcast KE is a proud member of the Nitty Grid Podcast Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Check out the network for more shows on food and drink.